Nice weather we're having. Good oh. Welcome to Thunder Noodle. Woogly We're back for full episode Friday. Yeah. But um, you're in for a ride, guys. I have been pre-warned. I don't know what's coming. I just know to be scared. <laughs> I might, I might have overdone it a bit. I don't think there is such thing. No, I don't mean with just the case. I think I might have d- overdone my warnings because I was sitting last night reading through everything, and I do not know if I have become. I don't want to say desensitized, but I'm so into this case mm. that. When I reread my script that I wrote, I thought to myself, is this really going to be as shocking as I was attempting to explain how shocking it's going to be? I think it will be. I think I feel like you have desensitized yourself a little bit to this case. Because I still feel that this is fucking bad. Well, there's but only one way to find out. Yeah, so mm. I don't, desensitize probably isn't the right word. But you understand, you, you, you understand what I say? I understand. You understand? Okay. Let's get into it. Let's get into this. It's going to be a bumper ride. Yeah. That's what? my favorite line from, from <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what inspired me to start researching this case was quite a weird journey mm-hmm. okay a colleague of mine's client's wife a colleague's client's wife cool overheard me speaking to another colleague about an article written in our local newspaper about how tattooed people have a gross lack of modesty of course we do and naturally i was ranting about this and how <laughs> ridiculous this opinion piece is and the ladies that were waiting for their appointment joined in on the conversation spicy when her wife stepped into the other colleague's office with whom she had the appointment mm. the other one the other lady stayed with us in the conversation kept talking with us and obviously it led to true crime because when i told you this lady was interesting i told her that we have a podcast which i usually don't mention to people because we're trying to be anonymous. Mm-hmm. but And I'm an introvert, so this conversation, <laughs> it was flowing, girl. I told her that we have a podcast. And so now me and this woman, we're best friends, okay? As you should me, be. Yeah, I'm kidding. But I did really have a cool conversation with her. She's okay. super cool. She was so interesting. Yeah, and I really have good conversations with people because I'm an introvert and I usually try to avoid <laughs> conversations. <laughs> but anyway, here we are. So I want to dedicate this episode to this lady that fucking had this whole conversation with me and led me to this case. The my little Shout out. introverted ass. Yeah. Okay. So we love that. you if you're listening. We love yes. you. Hachi girl. Thank you. I wrote down everything she said. Because when she started talking about all these random cases, I, I took a little paper, I took a pen. I was like, I need to start writing She down. got the little black book out. Yes. And I went through the list. The one sent me down a rabbit hole that I do not think I have recovered from. I know it's tedious to listen to my intros. And if you skip it, I won't blame you. But I needed to mention it today because the reason conversations like this and true crime podcasts are important is hidden within today's case. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure if one episode is going to be enough. I've told B this. We're in for the long ride, guys. We are in for the long ride. 
I also do not know if I will be able to edit all of these episodes quick enough to post because I know I went on the whole rant about you don't have to wait for a part two guys you maybe have to wait for a part two I don't know we'll we'll see we'll see when we get there okay this is a journey it will be worth it yeah so stick around today I'm going to give you a big disclaimer okay next to the pre-warning about this (laughs) might not be one part and the disclaimer I am going to say some things that are going to anger you disgust you and possibly ruin your sex drive for a hot minute so be warned explicity 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 to the utmost okay parental guidance is advised even if you're 30 sit next to your mama yeah and maybe your grandmama this is not appropriate for the workspace no (laughs) not at all viewer discretion is advised yeah are you ready no (laughs) but let's go (laughs) cue podcast voice and action. When Officer Linda Stein of the Police Hawks Unit opened the freezer of Peter Frederiksen, she would be met with probably one of the craziest cases that have ever plagued Bloemfontein, South Africa, when she phoned Amanda Bester and asked whether she had some extra space in her freezer for storage. Amanda was in the shop and said, sure, for what? The severed clitorises we had just found. With this phone call, she would not only secure one of the top prosecutors for the case, but the media coverage would introduce her to two Danish journalists that would be instrumental in solving this case. Now, they didn't actually store the severed parts at Amanda's house. It was sent to the appropriate laboratory. Okay, cool. Just checking. But I do think a sense of humor is highly necessary when dealing with what they have to deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. You and me deal with humor. This mm. is how we cope. Yeah, definitely. So, and I feel uh, as I feel as if it's not really intended in a way to offend people, but mm-mm. is genuinely a coping mechanism. I don't think a lot of people understand that. Mm-mm. If you don't, please try to understand the fact that people have different coping mechanisms to traumatic events. Humor just happens to be one of them. Yes. And I'm a fan of Linda. We know Linda. I will listen to Linda. Listen, Linda. (laughs) Will Linda listen to you? Yeah. (laughs) I hope so. I don't know. I did speak to Linda. Slay! Yes. I was quite like... "Mm." I did not speak to Amanda. I would have liked to speak to Amanda, but I could not speak to Amanda. You have to pay a lot of money to speak to Amanda. Anyway. Woman worth her time. Yeah. (laughs) Journalists Helen May and her photographer husband, John, would become a vital part of the investigation. And this was because they had interviewed Peter Frederiksen in his home a few weeks before the discovery. Unbeknownst to the human tissue that was just a few meters away in the freezer. Why were they interviewing him? We're gonna get there. Oh girl, I'm like you today. (laughs) When the story broke, the two journalists realized that the 12 hours of footage from the interview could assist the police. They too did not know the journey that would last nearly two years and end in an award-winning podcast, a book, and this was going to have them knee-deep in a criminal investigation in Bloemfontein. Imagine their shock. 
come here, interview a person, not really thinking too much of it. Bam. Homicide. The news article that caught their attention said, 21 severed vaginas found in freezer in Bloemfontein, Langenhofenpark. Girl, what? Just the odds of this happening is insane. 21? Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Like, the odds, crazy, but 21. Vaginas. So I was hooked. Oh, girl, I'm hooked. Give it to me now. And, you know, some people have their opinions about the true crime community. But if it wasn't for our crazy asses and stories like these that would not be published, this entire case would have ended differently. 100%. So all y'all bitches that love true crime, that want the info, Mm. you are part of this. Just that. Bad bitch energy. Bad bitch energy. Okay. The book Hiller wrote was in Danish. So I bought it. I translated it, and Helen herself replied my email. Oh my gosh. I you em- speak to the coolest people. <laughs> I emailed her hoping that there was an English version, but unfortunately there was not. She will be publishing one. If she does, we will share it. She told me she's planning on doing it. Mm. She also gave me more insight and helped me understood the parts that made no sense. I translated seven episodes of their podcast. And I found the most insane story that I've ever came across, ever. And the South African news or the Bloemfontein news, girl, they barely dip their toes into this case. Really? Yeah. Girl. Barely. Karma works hard, but S works harder. This was insane. Insane. Okay. So I know I just spent 11 minutes introing this whole fucking podcast. I understand that. I'm sore. I will put in the little description box. Intro is 11 minutes. You can skip it if you like. (laughs) Okay. Without any further ado, without me going on about this even more, what I am going to say, a lot of my research comes from this book. A big part of it, I'm not going to say. Their whole investigation with the police is Mm. such a big part of the book. I'm not going to go into that too much because I do want people to read this book. Mm. Okay? Because there's oh, the info, the the chills, the fucking thrilling, the all of it's in there. Yeah. Okay? All right. Brace yourselves. Because to understand this case, we have to start at the beginning. Oh, fuck. And I attempted to leave some stuff out, but I can't. Because the one thing leads to the next thing, leads to the next thing, and everything fucking... Links. Is applicable. Mm. Okay? Okay. We're going back to Denmark in 1952. Jeez, okay. Way back, whack, back, whack, whack. This case concluded in the Bloemfontein High Court in 2018. Bitch, what? So, yes, we're starting many years ago. But this case concluded long yesterday. That's insane. Here we go. Okay, I'm ready. Peter Frederiksen was born on January 25th, 1952. Aquarius, baby. We cray. I'm an Aquarius. Are you an Aquarius? Mm -hmm. I don't even understand what that means. Is it a water symbol? Yeah. Oh. Well, it is the water symbol, but I'm not a water sign. I'm an air sign. When he was born, he had all all 10 fingers, all 10 toes, and he seemed completely normal. Okay. It was when he turned three years old that his parents realized that he was probably not an ordinary child. Mm -hmm. He could not sit still. 
When he got an idea in his head, it was go, go, go. Too little is happening, little Peter said. His father Paul and his grandfather Og were thatchers. Like for the roofing. Grasdakker. Oh. They installed grasdakker. Okay. Straw r- roofs. If you're not from South Africa, Google it. Apparently, this is a big thing in Denmark, bitch. So What's I also it? thought it was a South African thing. Apparently not. Oh, okay. No. Mm. Well, then it's just a thatch roof. Yeah. Cool. So for hours, the grandfather and the father would be on a roof, sewing the straw needles with younger workers standing under the roof to push the straw back mm. as it was being pushed through the top. So it's like weaving this entire long-ass fucking straw needle situation. It's crazy. Okay. Og Frederiksen had enormous hands and his upper arms were pure muscle. This is the grandfather. Big strong man. He weighed about 120 kilograms. When Arg turned 60 in 1957, his employees suggested that maybe he should start taking it easier. He disagreed. So Arg got up, walked to a wooden beam that the workers would stand on to, you know, do their work. It was a four by four inch beam, which weighed about 25 kgs. He lifted it up with one hand and proceeded to lower it down and lift it up again 10 times. Like those guys in the gym with a dumbbell where they go, okay. <laughs> then he looked at his employees and he was like, your turn. None of them could do it. That is real bad bitch energy. <laughs> so they were, they were put in their place. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you should take it easy, bitch boy. Yes. My boyfriend would tell them that they are iguals. That means your bitch made. (laughs) (laughs) Peter's father and grandfather were opposites. But his father was just as tough. All the women in the family were oppressed. Now, Mm. oppressed, the translation indicates that it might be abused. But I wasn't exactly sure, so I just went with a breast. Safe. Among the family men, the grandfather was the most brutal. It was said that if his hand were to strike you, it could hit your head off. Just clean, decapitated. Mans must have had big ass hands. Mm, Hulk smash. (laughs) Okay. The grandfather did have a good side too. When he turned 60, he gave his three children, the two daughters and his son Paul, Two building plots in Holt, in the northern outskirts of Copenhagen, which was worth about a million kroner. Kroner. That is approximately 2.7 million rand. Now go back That's a to lot what of time money. this was. That is a lot of money. Is lots of money. He thought it would be better to give it to them while he was still alive. So if he died, they wouldn't fight over it. Yeah. Peter's grandfather drank. And Peter's father drank. Drinking was not unknown in the roofing industry. Back then, all the thatchers would drink. If someone made a mistake on the roof and sue, sewed, sewed a straw incorrectly, they would tell them that that is going to cost you half a bottle of schnapps. Heavy. Now, from what I could find, schnapps, I'm not sure if it's the schnapps we know, but it's basically a spirit... Like vodka mm. with herbs in it. Like dull. It's, it, it's strange. It's one of the popular drinks in Denmark. 
Okay. If any Denmark listeners are here, please let us know if it's yes. any good. I want to. We get anything wrong if we mistranslated anything and I maybe did not ask Hela correctly because mm. she went off of what I asked her. Mm. Please inform us. Please inform us. Okay. We yeah. like constructive criticism. Yes. <laughs> Once the grandfather got so drunk, he fell off the roof while oh, he was fork. working and he told the guys to just roll him back up the beams <laughs> and he carried on working. Okay. <laughs> okay. Other times he would go on big binges and not come home. One time he stayed drunk for an entire week and he also enjoyed the company of other ladies that were not the grandmother. Man whore. But when he came back, he would work even harder. It is said this was why he was so rich. People in town would say that he owned almost half of the land in Holt. He did not just thatch roofs. He grew vegetables, had orchards, had pigs, had cows, had horses... All of the above. He sounds like a typical businessman. Knows mm. how to control his money. Knows how to make good money. But is actually an asshole. Work hard, play hard. Work, yeah, that, that whole vibe. Because I'm kind of getting, cool, you're a successful businessman. Strong, independent, creating a good life. But your actions make me feel like you're a shitty person. Yeah, that's the vibe I'm getting. Mm. Today... Holt is a very wealthy suburb of Copenhagen, but when Peter was a child, it was mostly farms, lakes, fields, and woods. Okay. Peter's childhood home was just a stone's throw away from his grandparents' house. When his father, Paul, was a child, his father, the grandfather now, would hit him so hard that he would end up in the hospital. Oh, my God. The grandfather loved hunting, and so did the grandson. The father, on the other hand, not so much. Much to the grandfather's dismay. Paul wanted to become a pianist. That's a very left turn. <laughs> the grandfather hated the idea and wanted his son to take over the family business. After matriculating, Paul worked for his father, but he spent the money he earned on private piano lessons. In the end, the grandfather won, though. He got his wish, and Paul would work for his father full-time. Peter said that his father was very talented and would occasionally, they would hear him play the piano at home. Just, they would be chilling in their rooms and they hear, <laughs> and then the daddy would, you know, <laughs> play his tunes. Peter's mother, Renata, was a midwife. At that time, most women would give birth at home, so Renata would sometimes leave the house at ungodly hours as she was the district midwife. Sometimes the pregnant woman would come to the house for a regular checkup and Renata set up a small clinic. She always carried her medical bag with her. It contained everything a midwife would need. Pliers, scissors, needles, thread for stitching, all of that. Peter and his younger sister were often at the clinic. Peter, because he found it interesting, and the little sister, Lene, because she couldn't do much else. Now, Lene was born in 1953. She had spinal sclerosis, but her parents did not believe that an operation would be able to do anything about it or gain her any sort of better quality of life. I read up a little bit about spinal sclerosis, and from what I understand, there's not too much that can be done. I'm not sure. Because I have scoliosis, I don't think Yeah, this thing. isn't scoliosis. Maybe. The but translation like was a bit weird. And I didn't want to bother Hela with too many questions. 
because like I said, this case is so long, so extensive. Mm. So there is a thing called spinal sclerosis, mm. which can cause you to have a lot of back pain and stuff. So it might, might be scoliosis like you have. I do not know. Let's see. Okay, so B quickly Googled it. It's same, same, but different. Same, same, but different. Do your own research. Yeah. That is not, that is not such a big part. Mm. But we but know. she had struggles because of this. She had struggles. Okay. So is she now at the clinic learning how to be a midwife? Or? No, she's a baby. They're chilling there. Oh. They're little kids. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Duh. the clinic, as far as I understood it, was at the house. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. I'm following. Cool. You, Back good. on track. Yeah. Okay. Lene's arrival into the world would also cause a problem in the bedroom for Renata and Paul. Mm-hmm. Because the couple's eldest son, Peter, insisted on sleeping in his mother's arms. Peter was a mama's boy. Peter would sleep in his mother's bed until the age of 14. Okay, well, that's not normal. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Peter would wander off into nature and explore the forests and the lakes. There was one farm that he always had to stop and admire. It was called Raygard. In 1940, a professor Swanson bought Rygard and still lived there when Peter was older and when he was a child. So this man bought this. He's been, been, been there. Okay. Mm. One day Peter stood and looked at Rygard and he decided that one day he is going to purchase this property. Sometime in the 1920s, the Grand Duchess Olga had lived on this property, but she had fled the Russian Revolution with her husband. Okay. Now I'm only mentioning this Like I said, every single fucking thing means something. Peter loved history, okay? He liked to hear his grandfather tell the story about this duchess. Mm. The escape, the war, the revolution, all of it. Everything I say make little mental notes go. Okay. When Peter was five years old, he found a twenty-two caliber gun in his grandfather's garage. Gun, rifle, twenty-two caliber. Not too glued up about guns. I don't want to go into too much research because, you know, maybe the FBI is watching me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Linda of the Hawks is going to be like, yo, S, you're on you my radar. <laughs> <laughs> Making yourself look a little suspicious. Are you sure this is only for a podcast? <laughs> yeah. So Peter went out and he shot the, the, the boom boom machine. <laughs> boom camp. <laughs> Peter would later say that it was easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Valid points. <clears throat> when Peter was six years old, he snuck into his grandfather's office and took a revolver from the desk drawer. It was a thirty-eight caliber Smith & Wesson from the war. This always too interested in guns. He found cartridges in another drawer and he took out five. Now I'm imagining cartridges are bullets, okay? Like I said, done not too much. He ran down, the, down to the lake where the pump house was. And when the diesel engine from the irrigation system was on, you could barely hear anything else. So Peter put the cartridges into the revolver and shot it. His little arm almost dislocated from the recoil. So he ran back, cleaned the revolver and put it back. His grandfather never discovered that he shot the revolver. But the little boy became obsessed with weapons. Oh, no, man. Not only that... He also began to take interest in the work his mother was doing. He found a midwife book and studied the contents. So, 
an idea popped into his head. And as we know, it's go, go, go. The neighbors also had orchards and starling birds and blackbirds were considered a pest. So when Peter asked his grandfather if he could borrow the twenty-two caliber to kill the birds, this is not the rifle, oh, the, the revolver, this is the other one. He asked him if he could borrow it to kill the birds. He told his grandfather that a neighbor offered him 10 oars for every bird he shot. So his grandfather agreed and said, you can take the gun and I will give you five oars for every bird you shoot. Oars are basically to crone what cents are to rands. It amounts to about one to two rand he would earn per bird. Okay. Okay. I'm already concerned at the fact that people are giving this tiny little baby child money to shoot a bird but each to their own move on so six-year-old peter took the 22 caliber and he also took his mother's scalpel needle and thread went off into the orchard to shoot some birds for money he did not however trade in all the dead birds for money on some of them he would perform operations he would cut off the wings and try to sew the bird back together. In a small box on his grandfather's farm, he kept little trophies from those days. Amongst the trophies were feathers and a sun-dried heart. Peter would spend a lot of time at his grandparents' house, as his mother would often be called out late at night for her midwifing, and the father did not care about weapons or hunting or anything, so Peter preferred to spend time with his grandfather. Mm. Peter's father, however, was obsessed with sex. And he would often speak freely about his escapades. Like a nympho. Mm, yeah. He was a bit of a hoe. And he did not necessarily keep it a secret. So in front of the kids, oh, Paul would just tell everybody. So all of these wives are getting cheated on openly. Slay. Mm-hmm oppressed mm. but peter did say that his father was a good man every just a slut just a slut every sunday one of his uncles from bagsvard came for a visit and he liked to fish in the lake the uncle had been active in the war and had a gun that he liked to show the little weapons enthusiast peter when peter was nine years old the uncle wanted to gift him the nine millimeter gun but the grandfather refused nevertheless Peter got the gun from his uncle, and this is where his career as a weapons collector would begin. He would hide the gun in the pump house. Peter was bored at school, and he was dyslexic. Are you dyslexic? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. He was dyslexic. Have you seen that TikTok <laughs> where it says dating a dyslexic guy, and then it goes, What? Let me tell you, let me know you what you say, son. <laughs> Dara Pice. <laughs> I have seen it. Anyway. <laughs> so his parents decided to take him out of public school. And at the age of 10, they sent him to a private school. Mm. Now, what we imagine the difference is between public school and private school. Apparently, that is a little bit different in this scenario. The school would be described as a religious sect. It was alleged that the teachers would marry each other and some kids would not do very well in school. And, you know, it's just a strange operation. I don't know if they maybe focused more on 
a certain thing and less on another. Th- I don't know. But it was weird. It was strange. It was called Vidar School. Okay. Okay. Peter became obsessed with World War Two. You know what World War Two is? I know. Okay. Yeah. And would increase his knowledge on the subject through his grandfather and other adults. Peter's grandfather would say if he joined the war, he would have been on the side of Hitler. And he became quite obsessed with Nazi memorabilia. And you remember I said Peter had a big love for history. Mm. So, there we go. When Peter was 12, an old engineer who was acquainted with a grandfather allegedly gifted Peter weapons from his collection that included a German carbine. I don't know what the fuck a carbine is in my mind. It's a car with a big-ass fucking propeller on top. Like a turbine, but a mm. carbine. It's not that. Okay. It's a, it's a weapon. I'm just... Why? Why are so many people gifting this fucking kid weapons? I don't know how this is normal. Peter became a bit of a bully at school, and he would sometimes not attend school for long periods of time. Allegedly, it was because he had a bunion. One family member did say that what the father experienced from the grandfather, Peter experienced from the father. But the family member did not wish to be named. So we are not 100% sure. Peter himself did not go into that. Okay. Peter did not show any interest in the girls at school. When a little girl came to ride horses on the family farm, Peter would throw rocks at it. So that the horse at, at the at the horse. Oh, I thought you meant the girl. <laughs> Jeez. So that the horse would react and it would throw the girl to the ground. Oh my goodness. All of the girls were afraid of Peter. Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater. Kiss the girls and dipped. <laughs> yeah. The little sister Lene had a rough time growing up. Not only did her older brother basically kick her out of her mother's bed, but her father told Lene that she ate too much. The father proceeded to put a lock on the fridge and everybody knew where the key was except for Lene. The skinny little Lene would go to her grandmother's house and beg for a boiled egg. The grandmother would secretly give little Lene food. So this dad is just enabling eating disorders. Love that. Peter had another sibling, Niels. His little brother was the youngest and one evening... The three siblings sat at the dinner table with their parents and the father announced that it was not beef that they were eating, but Lene's beloved horse. (gasps) The father also took her cat to Tisdale and he let it go. What the fuck? The poor cat took three weeks to make its way home back (gasps) to Lene. But when Buttercup finally made its way home, he was so exhausted that he died in Lene's arms. Oh my god, I'm going to cry. What the fuck? This is so sad. Peter would what? demand that Lene go with him to the grandfather's barn, where they would tie her to a chair. <gasps> the grandfather would stand with a rifle pointed at her, and Peter would whip her with a belt. Sometimes the two would switch. The younger brother Niels would be left to the sidelines to witness all of it. He would later say that he's not sure why he never reported his grandfather and that he should have done that for Lene. 
Shame. But you're just a child in that situation. Mm-hmm. What That hits me too, too close to home. When Peter was 12 years old, he started working at a local fishmonger, cleaning fish things to earn some money. He would work there up until the age of 21. But Peter would later sell his sister to the fishmonger on numerous occasions to earn some extra money. At the age of 16, Peter got an illegal hunting license that his grandfather had obtained through two police officers he knew. When Peter turned 18, he got a legal weapons permit and signed up for Home Guard. So from what I understand, that's basically like Neighborhood Watch. He would befriend the people from the Weapons Technology Laboratory and was soon allowed to become a member. The WTL had a gigantic (laughs) weapons collection. (laughs) Shout out. (laughs) Peter would collect weapons from people who would want to donate or give up their weapons to the WTL. But then instead of registering it, he would take it for himself. A man called Jorgen Harms was also a member of WTL and apparently tried to seduce Peter. But Jorgen would die a mysterious death. He was found unconscious in his house and after spending eight days on a ventilator in the hospital, he died. His weapons collection that was supposedly in the attic of the house had disappeared and it would Mm. end up in the possession of Peter Frederiksen. Are we surprised? No. Hmm. Some shady characters started showing up in the driveway of the farm, said some neighbors. Hardy men with leather jackets and patches and emblems on the back with motorcycles and American cars. It's like a biker gang. Everyone knew that Peter had something to do with illegal weapons and rockers. <laughs> <laughs> When Lene was 14 years old, she fled the city. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh, this poor little girl. I feel so bad for her. When she was 16 years old, she attempted to take her own life. Oh fuck. A family member would say the next time they saw Lene, she was on drugs. Oh shit. A photographer came across Lene's art in a folder in his gallery and would later say that the art and religion is what saved Lene. Oh my God. When Lene fled from the farm at the age of 14, Peter lost his regular income from the fishmonger. Mm. Oh, I'm getting so angry. So he decided to join the family business. But in his heart, he wanted to be an arms dealer and a weapons expert. In my heart, I want to kick you in the face. In 1974, Paul had enough of his 22-year-old son's obsession with illegal weapons and his association with rock gangs. He wanted him to grow up. So Peter decided to visit Africa. He managed to register as a volunteer and he made his way to Kenya. He was tasked with setting up a carpentry workshop and all he wanted was to shoot wild animals. He managed to take all of his hunting weapons on the trip. How? Bitch, I don't know. My bad. I don't know. Peter would visit the Stags Hotel Bar. And there he would meet a young woman. Peter had never been with a black girl before. And the two fell in love. Oh, fuck. Peter would be arrested in Kenya. 
and the carpentry workshop project would be closed. There's a little bit of a mm, eeriness to it. Why was he arrested? We're getting there. Oh, sorry. A bomb went off in the capital of Kenya in February 1975. A parliamentarian was targeted. The first bomb did not kill him. The second bomb did not kill him. The third bomb, he died. Peter was arrested as he stood out like a sore thumb. Really? It's a little bit confusing because he asked some guy to phone some people to do something. And then this guy told the police that Peter is this and this. It's I couldn't figure it all out properly. But anyway, he was interrogated for days. After the Danish police was phoned and they found out that he was trained in weapons and explosives. Mm. But still, the papers disappeared and he was let go. So whether he was involved or somebody else just wanted the entire case to go away and Peter was just one lucky asshole, we don't know. Why is it that bad people have so much luck and good things and good people must suffer? Peter moved to an area near Ambuseli National Park and he did what he loved most, hunting. Because now the whole carpentry volunteer thing is closed but Mm. he's already in Kenya you know he's already there from here Peter would travel between Africa and Denmark back and forth back and forth back and forth having a ball of a time Mm. in 1977 Peter would meet a Danish girl who was obsessed with horses Vivian Peter would have another falling out with his father so he decided to start his own thatching company Peter would continue to collect weapons and his thatching business had a good name because of his family, but he would ruin that good name. He would not finish projects and either not pay his employees or underpay them. Vivian got pregnant and they named their daughter Maria. Vivian moved in with Peter and a while later the two would be married. Peter would continue his travels to Africa, organizing hunting trips And having this whole escapade, which was horrible and just outright dangerous. He saw what the people in Kenya were doing and that there were these safari hunting wild game trips. And Mm. he thought to himself, I can do that. So he organized some dodgy ass fucking trip. He ended up with malaria. The other guy had some other sort of fucking fever. There was a plane that got hijacked. It oh my was God. just goal. It was crazy. Just a mess. Just a mess. He would steal from his roofing customers in Denmark. And for some reason, he was allowed to obtain permits for explosives. Okay. And he would host parties and then just blow shit up. Mm. So his whole reason for obtaining the explosives was not actually what he used them for. Anyway. And nobody's clicking. Mm-mm. Okay. Love Pe- that. Peter had his eyes set on Rygard since he was a little boy. Mm. So he scammed the professor out of the property. No ways. Mm. There's a whole thing. All of this is explained in the what? book. What? Do you really want to know? Go about this fucking book. What? Peter extended his illegal weapons collection 
and with one scam after the other, he was sitting on a massive weapons collection. Did he get the property? Yes. <gasps> Girl, what? Yes. Peter would be arrested multiple times for the illegal guns. So the police got a little sniffing in yes. Mm. And he got, he spent some time in prison. He had two convictions. Mm. And he... Did they take away his weapons? They, the ones that they could find. Mm. There was an he had a whole truck with explosives in a barn. What? But he packed it closed with straw and fucking some straw bales and shit. So they didn't search there. Idiots. So he would go, this guy, his neighbors complained because he had a he had wild boars on this farm, this rygod. And they would go in and destroy the neighbor's property. Yeah. This rygod that was considered this beautiful property. Mm. Peter took it and he pulled it straight through his buttocks. Of course he did. Because you can't give anybody's nice things. Ruined. What a boos. Him and Vivian would get divorced. Good. But they would have another child together. Well, fuck. And then they would get remarried for Hi. tax purposes. Uh, okay. And she said that she did not want to leave him because her horses were on the farm. Oh, and shame. she loved her horses. Yeah. So he decided, Peter... That he would not be arrested again. He was not going to spend any more time in prison. Because I, can, uh -uh. I can imagine from a young age you say he's constantly busy, wants to go, go, go. Life is not moving quick enough for him. Things aren't happening. Prison must be torture for that man. Because mm -hmm. you sit and you do nothing. There's nothing you can do. And your brain doesn't stop coming up with these ideas. But you can't do anything about it. No. That must have been torture. And on one of his trips in Kenya, because like I said, he would travel, you know, between yeah. the two. On one of his trips, he joined a little group of people. Mm. And this is where he would first learn about female circumcision. And that is part one. Girl, what? That's part one. Oh, my fuck. Oh my fuck. Oh, I'm scared. We will see you in the next episode. Goodbye. Oh, I'm scared. <laughs>